In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 16, the Bible says this, three times a year, all of your men must appear before the Lord at a place that he will choose. The festival of the unleavened bread, festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift, and that gift will be proportioned to the way that the Lord has blessed you. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you should bring a gift proportioned to the way that the Lord your God has blessed you. Father, we pray you bless our time together today. Bless this message, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the lead up to camp, all of us will make sure that we have the essentials, the necessary items, the must-haves for a weekend away at a camp. A sleeping bag, a toothbrush. Um, hopefully people aren't taking notes yet because the, the, these are just standard reasonable items that we should have on our list. Bug spray, the address. But it's important too that we have the same preparation for our spiritual life, for our internal side, not just externally what we need to bring to camp, but in our head and in our heart, having the right thing as we get ourselves ready for camp. Over the next month, we want to paint a picture about what that looks like for you and for me, for us in the church. Specifically, when we're talking the next four weeks about these four areas of preparation for us all as we get ready for camp. I want to speak to you today about believing for God to move. Next week, we're going to be talking about making room for new friends and having an open heart for new relationships. The following week, we want to talk about serving others and being a community committed to being united. And then the last week, we want to talk about the power of a testimony, a life changed in the presence of God. Over the last few weeks, we've shared, in fact, over the last few months, we've shared that for our camp, we have two goals, that we would make new friends and meet with God that we would make new friends and that we would meet with God, that we would have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Today, let's talk about each of us having the necessary items to have an encounter with God, that we would believe for God to move in our lives. God has been moving in the lives of people from Abraham to Moses and Elijah and right through to the writers of the New Testament, right through the scriptures. Some of them seem quite random when God would do something, but other times they seem a bit more planned or ordained, or destined. And in the scriptures, we use the clear to interpret the unclear. So what can we see from the moves of God that seem a bit more planned? What can, we, what can we see from those that give us something to unpack? I guess to say it another way, if God is all-powerful, ever-present, and, and He's all-knowing, then how can I impact His decision-making? Am I just at the mercy of his actions or, or is there something that I can do that can maybe sway his hand a little bit? I don't necessarily believe it's true that I'm just at the mercy of God's actions. I believe that I'm in a relationship with God. That as a result of that relationship, I believe that he wants to know what my dreams are. That he wants to know what my intentions are. That he wants to know what my will is, what my desire is. That I believe that I can come confidently to him. Petition Him in prayer and believe and speak His promises over my life and come boldly but with a humble expectation that God might do something on my behalf. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach 
God's throne of grace with confidence, the Bible says. Simply put, I believe that in our Christian faith, we are in a partnership with God. For sure, He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. But I have a relationship where I can approach Him to receive what I need. In the Old Testament, the Hebrews were instructed to bring an offering every time they went with God. Three times a year, the Bible says, you must come away and meet with me, but you should never appear before me empty-handed. In other words, there were essentials, necessities, must-haves when it talked about coming to meet with God. Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, they outline for us the sacred garments that must be worn, the articles of clothing, the ephod, the sash, the garments on the outside, the priestly garb, the special stones that were worn and adorned on the priests as they came to perform worship and minister to the Lord. As we look through Scripture, we see the same sentiment is repeated time and time and time again. Abraham, the Bible says, brought a unique obedience and received a ram in the thicket. The Shunammite woman had a room full of furniture and was given a child. The wise men, they came with gifts and they received the Messiah. Jesus' mother instructed the servants to bring jars and they were given the best wine. The woman with the issue of blood brought expectation and her bleeding was stopped. The Roman centurion brought great faith, the Bible says, and his servant was healed. So what does this mean for us? To believe for God to move on our lives. What, is it, what does it mean that we need to bring in? And, and how do we find it? And where do we look? And today I've got a few very simple thoughts that I believe might help us in our journeys. We head into camp and the first is this. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Seek His will. Seek His will. God has a will, a desire, a plan. Jesus was on the earth outworking that, making sure that it was clear to him at all times. Matthew 6 gives us this great gem. It says, this then is how you should pray. Jesus speaking, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Interesting. Your will be done. Your desires be made manifest. Your plan be carried out. Your will, what you want, be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that last part a beautiful throwaway? As it is in heaven. In heaven, clearly your will is done because it's your throne room. It's your place. It's your home. But on this planet, we pray that we could partner with you to find your will for our lives. Luke 2.42 repeats the same sentiment where Jesus prays, If you are willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. At the beginning of his life in Matthew 6 and at the end in Luke chapter 22, your will be done. That Jesus was the greatest proponent of wanting to execute the will of God in his generation. To see the will of his Father in heaven done on the earth. Our Father in heaven, your will be done, not my will, but your will. Not my desire, but your desire. Not my plan, but your plan. Our plan, our, our challenge, I should say, in the 21st century is to line up our will with His will and not the other way around. We're not trying to line up God's will and bend it towards our will, but the other way around. To be able to do that, we need to know what on earth God's will is. And to do that, Friends, we must seek it. We must try and find it. We must search for it. 
God's will isn't always clear, but is made clear through the scriptures. His will is found in his word and specifically, I believe today, in his promises. And as we see God's promises, we see his will, his desire and his plan greatly outworked in our lives through the scriptures. If you're taking notes, could I just give you a couple of promises from God? And let me even give you some extra homework. That this week you might pray these over your life. You might speak them over your life. That you might proclaim them. That you might say them as though they were true. Because if they're promises from God, then indeed, my friend, over our lives they are. If you're taking notes, write this down. God is always with me. How do I know that? Well, Joshua 1 verse 9 says this. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is always with me. If you take a note, write down the next promise. God designed me for a purpose. Isaiah 2, uh, sorry, excuse me, Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared in advance for us to do. For I am God's handiwork. Another translation says, I'm his masterpiece created for good works, prepared in advance, that he has got a purpose and he's designed me for that purpose. Another promise is this, God will strengthen me and help me. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If you need strength or help this week, pray that prayer of your life. That God, I believe that you will strengthen me, that you will help me, and you will uphold me with your righteous right hand. The last promise for the day is this. God will give me wisdom. Amen. James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If any of you needs wisdom, you should just ask, for God gives it freely. What can we take from today's promises? Well, we can take this, that God is with us wherever we go, that we are designed for a purpose to do good works, that he will strengthen us and help us, and that if we need wisdom, we should ask, and God gives generously to those who ask. These are our promises. From those promises, what can we ascertain? Well, we can ascertain that we're reading about a God who is good because it builds a picture of who God is. It helps us shape what we think of him, and I think more importantly, what we can see that he thinks of us. That then helps shape what he might think about me specifically. It helps shape what might happen when I go away and meet with him. That as I meet with him, he might have wisdom for me. He might have strength for me. He might have purpose for me. He might realize, I might realize that he is always with me. If I see God as negative, my expectations will be bad. But friends, understand this today. If I see him as wanting the best for me, then my expectations will always be positive. He's with me. I have purpose. He will strengthen me and he gives me wisdom. Friend, in the lead up to camp, as you begin to seek his will for your life, begin to pray promises and prayers like this from the scriptures so that we can line up our will as we seek his will. Seek his will. Number two, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Not just seek his will, but friends, expect to wait. Expect to wait. We need to expect some time in between sowing and reaping. You know, sometimes I know what it's like. We just want to pray prayers like this. God, show me your glory. And believe that he will. 
Come on, God, turn up in my life. I need, I need a clear, clear, clear word from God today right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And we want God to move as quickly as our desires. But imagine if God moved as quickly as our desires, as often as our desires. He would be moving and changing his mind all the time because our desires move and change all the time. But as we sow the right prayers, we need to expect to wait because there's a distance and a time between the season of sowing and the season of reaping. Imagine if we were driving through the Green Bank, the Green Belt, the, the Emerald Necklace of Ottawa, and we were driving through and saw some farmers in the experimental farm sowing seeds. And imagine we saw those farmers sowing seeds and that those farmers had an expectation that those seeds would bear a harvest. We wouldn't be shocked by that. But imagine if those farmers had a desire and expectation to see those seeds harvested in their own lives immediately. We would wonder what kind of seeds they were planting. I wasn't alive when the microwave was invented. But I can imagine it was a massive moment for everybody. I can imagine that this moment was a game changer for the world. You see, before the microwave, we had the electric oven. Before the electric oven, probably the gas oven. Before the gas oven was a fire. And before the fire, we were eating fruit and berries. But when the microwave turned up, it sped up the whole process of cooking. Now we have air fryers and George Foreman grill. And now cooking has moved on and is moving at light speed. We've been born into an era though, friends, where speed is king, isn't it? Get rich quick, cooking fast, lose weight quickly, use a toll road to get there faster. Who's the fastest man on the planet? We try and find that out at least once every four years. Now God can move as quickly as he wants to, but he's also old. And just like old people that I know, they usually move slowly, and I do believe that he is no different. That God moves at his own pace. That the Bible is full of the suddenlies of God. But outside of the suddenlies of God, we find a lot of waiting on God. We pray for the suddenlies of God, but the soil of God is waiting on God. The substance with which we build our faith is not the suddenlies, but it's the waiting. The Old Testament prophet Daniel, he waited. He prayed, and then he waited. He sowed, and then he waited. Daniel 10 verse 12 talks about Daniel and the angel of the Lord turns up and speaks to him and says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you prayed, that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. That, my friends, is a promise. That when we pray, God hears. When we cry, He bottles up our tears. And I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days, three weeks. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Wow. Because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time that has yet to come. Daniel prayed. Keep praying, friends. Keep seeking his will. Keep praying promises. Keep speaking them over your life. Keep having a confessional Christianity. But the answers took three weeks to arrive. But Daniel did not give up. When we pray, the answer seldom comes immediately. But we must be patient. We must be people that not only seek His will, we must be people that expect that we will wait. So when you do, your expectations are fulfilled. Isaiah 40 verse 30 and 31 says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Even youths grow tired and weary. The Bible says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. 
Those who hope will renew, they will soar on wings like eagles, they will walk and not grow faint. Friends, understand that we will run and not grow, grow weary. We must not give up. And if we don't give up, we will reap a harvest at the proper time. Be people that seek His will. Amen. But be people that expect to wait. And lastly, if you're taking notes, go to seek His will, expect to wait. But then lastly, I think this is a key component for us today. To line up our will with God's will, for sure. Expect that it won't happen overnight. But then understand that lastly, we must play our part. Play our part. Know our role. Rather than assume that God moving is an act of random chance, I'm trying to find the key. I'm trying to find my role, my part. Where do I come in? What's his part? What's my part? Revelation 12, 11 says this. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They triumphed over him by the blood of their lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the shed blood of Jesus that has been shed and by the spoken word of the saints that is being shed. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Our part, his part. Our part, his part. Our part and his part. Matthew 7 verse 7 through 12, Jesus speaking says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be open. For everyone who asks receive and those who seek find and those who knock the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Ask for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how good gifts and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. It says, those who ask are given. Those who seek will find. Those who knock, the door will be open. The shed blood of Jesus Christ and the shared word of the saints. There's his part and then there's our part. See, we ask, he gives. We seek and find. We knock and he opens. The Bible speaks in the New Testament. Jesus speaking in parables talks about a woman who is the persistent widow, the Bible says, that she knocks and knocks and knocks on the judge's door to try and get him to change his opinion. And finally, he changes his opinion. The judge in this picture is a picture of God and the widow is a picture of us, that we must incessantly people that pray and knock on his door and believe that our will might line up with his will. And maybe just maybe he might change his mind and might turn and look in our favor. That we knock and He opens. That we do the asking and He's doing the giving. That we are doing the seeking. And because of Him allowing us, we then are also doing the finding. There's our part and then there's His part. That we work in partnership with God. The Bible speaks in Luke chapter 17 verse 14. It speaks of the ten lepers. And Jesus is talking. He says, when He saw the ten lepers, He said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Isn't that interesting? Imagine that. Jesus walking sees 10 lepers and they cry out, Jesus, help us. He goes, oh, yeah, guys, okay, you need healing. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as you do that, you'll be healed. And the Bible says that as they went, they were healed. Imagine for a moment being one of those lepers or someone with a disease or a deadly virus or... Your life was moving backwards at a, a rapid rate of knots. You're not in a good space and you needed a breakthrough. And you saw Jesus 
He said, Jesus, help me. I'm sick. And he said, yeah, go and do this and you'll be healed. Go to the doctor. Go to Montfort Hospital. And as you do, you'll be, you'll be healed. And, and we, we would say, okay, okay, okay. And as we moved in faith, that what Jesus asked us to do would provide healing in our lives, as we went, we were healed. Friends, understand this. They hadn't yet arrived to see the priests before their lives were turned around, impacted, and they were healed. And the leprosy from their bodies was gone. As they went, know your role. As they went, play your part. As they went, partnership with God. As they went, our part and his part. The Bible speaks again about a, a man with a shriveled hand in Matthew 12, verse 13. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. His hand was shriveled. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored just as the other one. As they went, as he stretched out his hand, as we play our part, as we know our role. I wonder this week, I wonder today, if we go, okay, okay. In the next four weeks in the lead up to this camp, I'm going to get my heart right. I'm going to repent. I'm going to seek his will. I'm going to go hard after God. I'm going to let the fire of God in my life be like a burning flame. Leonard Ravenhill would say he was a revivalist. He would say, I would set myself on fire and people would come from all over to watch me burn. That if we have revival on the inside of our hearts, it generates revival on the outside. That in the next four weeks, if we get our head right, heart right, if spiritually we come with the camp essentials, the must-haves, the necessities, toothbrush, sleeping bag, the address, bug spray, great. But faith in our hearts, expectation like Abraham, the woman with the issue of blood. If we shouted like Bartimaeus, I wonder if we got our head right, our heart right, if spiritually we were dialed into the Holy Spirit. If as we went, if as we reached out our hand, we would not see an impact in our lives like maybe we've never seen before. As I approach camp, I try and carry a humble expectation that he will move on my life. That I know that God is a great mystery. That asking him to move is something I don't deserve. That I don't want to be entitled for God to move on my life because I'm that good. That I want to be desperate and hopeful and faith-filled that he will. Play your part. Expect to wait. I seek his will. Daniel's story is interesting, isn't it? Because he prays a prayer and the Bible says it takes three weeks. Not everything happens overnight. There's a sowing and a reaping. That I'm, I wonder if we prayed a prayer today together that God would move in our lives at this camp, that as we come away and retreat, that the, brick, the, uh, the, the gift that we would bring would not be gold, frankincense, and myrrh like the three wise men. It wouldn't be a table, a chair, a bed, and a lamp like the Shunammite woman who received the Messiah and received a child respectively, but we would come with faith and expectation as our gifts. That we would come as a living sacrifice before the Lord and say, God, move on my life. I wonder if we prayed that prayer today. That maybe not in 21 days, but maybe 28 days. Maybe in four weeks, God might turn up in a powerful way. In fact, before I give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus, can I pray for us today? And maybe you'd like to pray this prayer. Why don't you pray it with me? If you're believing for God to move on your life at this camp, and close your eyes and let's pray. Father, on every hungry heart, on every expectant soul, Father God, and every saint that's believing that you would move in a powerful way. Father, we are asking that you would move on our lives at this camp. That as we come away and isolate and retreat 
to seek your face. God, your face we would find. And we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I don't know Jesus. Like, I don't, want it to, I don't know what it's like to seek his will, to seek his face. I don't know what it's like to walk in relationship with him. Maybe you're saying, I, I, I need Jesus. I'm, I'm away from him. I'm distant from him. Then I would love to, friend, pray a very simple prayer and believe that today your whole life could be changed and turned around and, and flipped on its head. That knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that you could do with your life. Then I would love to pray a very simple prayer and believe that in that moment as we pray that your life can be changed forever. And so friend, if that's you, you're saying, I need Jesus. I'm away from him, distant from him. Then I would love to pray a simple prayer that I would say a line and you would repeat it back to me. That as we pray to God, that your heart would be open and repentant and changed. The prayer goes like this. Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, Forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Love you so much, church. Thanks for your time today. Jaden's preaching next week on our camp essentials, the necessities about how to have an open heart for new relationships, how to make new friends, looking at some practical skills that we could turn up to this camp and know how to get other people involved in our lives in a, in a meaningful and healthy way. I look forward to it. We'll see you then. See you later.